From Bristol, UK, I'm Pumi Harmer. And I'm Melissa Shamam, and this is The Quarantini. Coming up in the show, we have a roundup of creative ideas from all over the world. And this week, for our interview, we decided to talk to a student at the University of the West of England to summarise this year for a very challenging uh, online, mostly, uh, education system. Hello and welcome back. Yes, this week, as the academic year ends... We wanted to know more about how this past few months and the COVID crisis and all the crisis that came with it affected students. All over England, there has been a lot of debates about tuition fees, about mental health, about online teaching. So I think it would only be natural to give some space to a voice from someone who's been living through this. This is why I wanted to talk to a student and in particular one of the students I had the privilege to work with this year. Hi, I'm Tamir Farkas and I'm a university student in Bristol. I studied at University of Rest of England. I've just finished my course. I studied broadcast journalism. I'm originally from Hungary, but became moved to England to kind of help me have a better future, which is exactly what uni has allowed me to do. So, of course, with um, the pandemic and Brexit and a lot of restriction coming up, being a student in 2020, 2021 was not an ideal or even a common experience. So there's so much where we could start. But if you had to summarise, how was it generally for you? What were the main challenges and how did you feel that you, you tackled that? It's been tough. It's been very challenging. I, I'd imagine everyone can say that. Like, I'm not going to argue with that. Everyone's had the same kind of tough experience. But for me personally... It's been quite challenging mentally. I found it quite difficult to kind of get into that headspace of working from home, you know, doing everything in that same kind of environment, living free time and work kind of all just flowed together. Uh, and I found that quite challenging, especially as a student. I couldn't focus on my work. Yeah. So it's taken me quite a while to get into that workflow of working from home, as I said. It has led to me putting my work off for a while. And if only I'd have given it a bit more time, if I was able to kind of focus and get myself together, I would have been able to do better work. Not even specifically talking about my course, but in general, like if I'd have had that time to get out and be able to work on it proper, I would have been able to do better because I definitely felt it hindered me. I can imagine. So the pandemic affected uh, students even the previous year, right? So in March, we started going into lockdown. So there was this, a big switch into online teaching. Do you remember that period? And was it like super stressful or did it feel like it would be short at the beginning and then you would have a, a third year that would be normal? Well, I was, I was secretly hoping, obviously, that it would for the third year, it would all go back to normal because obviously it's quite an important year. As a student, it's the, you know, the final year of studying and then going out into the world. But once we've realised, like, the, yeah, the beginning of it, that we were going to, you know, be stuck in this uh, online teaching, I say stuck. It wasn't really a problem for me personally, because I was doing a lot of stuff online anyway already. It's actually, like, led to me kind of trying comedy out a little bit through Zoom. And, like, so I was kind of accustomed to doing it all online already. So like, it wasn't particularly stressful or that part wasn't challenging. 
having said that, the, you know, not having the contact with tutors, that was a setback for me, definitely, because I'm, I'm quite a social person when it comes down to it. And I, I prefer face to face meeting people. But obviously, I think online teaching was a, was a great replacement for that in, in the way that they could do it, you know, as far as they tried their best with it. There we go. That's what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> yes, of course, there's many different things. So there's a lot of assumption that young people are so technologically friendly and yeah, they're, they're online all the time. They wouldn't mind, etc. But as you say, it's not because you're used to the tools that socially and emotionally it, it won't affect you. So I guess that's what you're summarizing quite well. Were you also missing an environment where you were working with our young people and I guess the technical side like of course having access to computers and cameras and studios were um, one of the attraction of paying so much for a degree in broadcast journalism right so could you still access a bit of that or were the replacements good enough do you feel like you know you haven't lost too much? Um, unfortunately when it was everything was properly locked down including campus and everything we didn't have access to anything Central Loans, which is the the place where we can rent out kits to do, um, you know, extra work, coursework, whatever, what have you. So cameras, microphones, all that kind of stuff was completely locked down until about, I think I want to say about a month, month and a half now. Like that's when they open up again. So that's why my final deadline was extended as well, so that we can have access to the kit and be able to go out and film properly. So yes, obviously I, I miss that environment very much. So of being with the class and being in that workflow, being in that kind of feeling of that room is um, quite, yeah, something I, I definitely found that would have helped me a lot in this year to be able to kind of go in there and still have that hands-on experience with everything and everyone around me because we've tried doing it remotely as we mentioned with um, online teaching there we've uh, we have these so-called news days which is uh, the the practical days where we get to experience what it's like to work in a newsroom so our whole class would become a newsroom in in a classroom where we'd go out and film edit and put together a tv package that would go out at 3 p.m like a, a real news channel would and i feel that having that online was quite challenging again it comes back to the focus thing i think for me it's quite difficult to sit down in front of the, the computer from nine till four kind of focusing and getting on collecting all the information we need and everything because we couldn't go out filming they were um, encouraging us to stay in and use what we have be creative with it I kind of missed that I feel it has definitely hindered me it's definitely taken a lot away from us in the sense of practical experience as well yeah I understand what I told my students all the time is like it's also interesting because it's mirroring what's happening to real journalists and real newsroom and a lot of them had to work from home especially people doing radio not traveling to the countries they're covering so in a way the challenges are also something that the students would learn maybe gain that experience that journalists themselves were actually only starting to go through so as probably part of the preparation but it doesn't compensate for the older loss of course I can understand yeah but you seem to have found like the the upside and the positive side and to keep on working but in the background there are also a lot of problems around dealing with your clothes surrounding your family being worried about the disease itself and maybe you had some friends affected or family getting sick was that maybe the hardest part in terms of anxiety and maybe feeling of loneliness there was this sort of, of sense that young people were not really the priority because they, they don't die of COVID. How was it for you? It was, yes, it was quite difficult. Thankfully, we got off quite easily with it, like as a, as a whole, as a family, because I live with my mum and my stepdad. 
So my stepdad caught it. My stepdad had COVID. But he has underlying health conditions. And it, it was quite scary. Not gonna lie when we found out. <laughs> but he got off quite okay with it, thankfully. He just had a bit of temperature, lots of like, sense of smell and taste. And that was it. And well, I was quite tired for a while. But thankfully, we, we got through that. And as far as I'm aware, I didn't have it myself, thankfully, or my mum. But throughout all this, we've also had some other struggles. But not just my mental health, but my mum's my mental health also got really quite bad that's an understatement I think really but obviously with with GPs and the NHS being overwhelmed with all the COVID things and being locked down they really couldn't do as much as we think they could have for her which was quite frustrating that's the right word for it it was frustrating more so than anything else because we can clearly see that they could have well we know that they could have done so much more but because of these restrictions and because obviously COVID they couldn't focus on her but that's had a lot of effect on me, it's safe to say, I think. But I think with the ways I found to coping with it has helped a lot. As I mentioned, I was kind of doing comedy on Zoom and was watching a lot of Twitch streams. So I was interacting with a lot of people online. And whilst that's a positive, that, that has kept me going throughout this whole lockdown business of not being able to meet with people, I think it also hindered me in the way of actually interacting with people outside. <laughs> um, and I, I think a lot of people uh, would think the same, that you all become a bit socially awkward. Uh, <laughs> this is a nice way to put it, thanks to all of this. And that actual face-to-face interactions are a bit difficult, but a bit more challenging than they would have been in the before times. Yeah. What do you think was helping the most in the end? How did you think you found anything to keep you grounded and hopeful? So you mentioned online contact. You, did you also find some passions? Or was there anything that turned out to be unexpectedly life-saving or really supportive online contacts definitely as you're saying there as I mentioned twitch streams I've discovered actually a couple of communities where I was able to kind of connect with like-minded people and we're even arranging actual meetups like in person now because we made such a strong connection and I found some hobbies I've started crocheting that helped me pass the time a lot actually I think is is, is what helped me the most because I could just sit down zone out and just get on with it and tv shows I guess that's also another thing because obviously We've been doing a lot of binge watching. (laughs) I think we can all say that. But again, it's that kind of sense of passing the time and finding something to kind of just to occupy myself. It was there as a bit of a comfort in a way, yeah. I can imagine. We all had a lot of uh, Netflix or equivalent in our life to try to spend the time basically in the dark winter days. Can I ask, what are your plans now? Do you feel like you really want to work, for instance, just no matter what job? Or do you feel like you need to keep on studying? What are your desires and plans and possibilities? I currently got a job. I do work part time and have been throughout uni. And throughout even the lockdowns, I think we had a, a month of furlough. And then after that, we were back on it again. I, I work at McDonald's. But I would like to get out of here as soon as I can. So obviously, I'm going to try and work on my practical skills because I definitely feel like that's been lacking in the past year and yeah I'm on the scouting for, for jobs really anywhere in TV that I can grab I just I, I will I will have a crack at it yeah I wish you luck for that thank you so much for sharing your experience with us thank you thank you for having me right so that was Timia Farkas uh, one of uh, third year student at the University of the West of England uh, bachelor in broadcast journalism amazing and so now on to our roundup Starting in Bristol, Melissa, what have you got? 
Just a little summary of the recent event regarding our COVID crisis. So, of course, the news is a little bit sadder this week, as everybody know, have seen or heard here and there. Here in Bristol, we're still quite doing well, but a few outbreaks of cases have occurred, notably in schools and at some restaurants, so forcing people to uh, self-isolate during the um, half-term holidays and to close some restaurants. Also, two people have died of the virus in the past few days, and cases are on the rise again, including 60 cases of the new Delta variant, as we call it. But there's still some great news around, and in the city, most pubs and restaurants and art venues have now reopened, and they're also, Pommy, as you may have seen as well, recruiting. So I just wanted to encourage people, anyone, especially young people, looking for jobs, to pay attention to all the pubs restaurants and also the art venues looking for staff and especially chefs. It's the case, for instance, at the Watershed, I think they're looking for people. Arnold Feeney Bar is also recruiting and most of the pubs. So that could be good news for a lot of people. And then among the events, um, we had the Bristol Walk Fest this month of May. Now we're moving on to the Photo Fest. I don't know if you've seen any of that. Pomi, I've been to the Bristol Museum and it's quite interesting. There's lots of photos curated by Martin Parr and then wonderful African photographers from Ghana and Kenya specifically who've done interesting work through the pandemic. And, of course, June is also Pride Month, so there'll be lots of events there to uh, celebrate the joy again online and even in the real world of the LGBTQIA plus community. Wonderful. That's great news. It's really good to see things beginning to open up, isn't it? I've, I've been to see a film at the Watershed. Strange experience, having the row in front of you and behind completely empty and all the seats either side empty, but fantastic to be back in there yeah absolutely love it too so what else is going on locally well we always like to big up the young people and a young boy of 14 has been making waves with hubcaps he's been finding them matching them to people whose cars are missing them and has gained nationwide attention after a grateful recipient thanked him online and he's made it onto one of the reddit boards He's a local young boy called Matthew Chexfield. He's 14 and he's autistic and he cleans up these hubcaps. He's now got 150 spare ones in his front garden waiting to be given away. I think he's given away 20 already. And what he does is he he matches them, he finds the car and then together with the hubcap, he leaves a note explaining that he's autistic, which means that he And he says, he explains this in that he notices huge details and he says he hopes that person's going to like it. And at the bottom, there's also a note from his parents explaining that this is not a scam and that it's really helped Matthew during the lockdown to have this project. His mum said it's hard with autistic children sometimes because much of their interests are in their head and so you can't always participate with them. Whereas this, because he needs my help, she says, helps him verbalise it more. Brilliant. Very interesting topic. It's obviously often been described as a pandemic itself, right? There's so many more children um, diagnosed with autism or Asperger's syndrome, which is not at all a bad thing for many of them. It's just a different challenge and needs understanding. Anyway, Pommy, now, I just want to highlight that I think with the quarantine, we want to focus on some issues that are 
beyond the pandemic. And as you know, many experts, scientists and writers have done research that shows that this pandemic is actually linked to our modes of production and consumption and drastic attacks on biodiversity. It's quite uh, interesting deep topic. And on this angle, there's a great book that is published by the French journalist Marie-Monique Robin. It's called La Fabrique des Pandémies, or Pandemics Factory in English. So this is one of the things it explores. And there's many articles about it if people want to read a bit more about it in English. So I personally am going to focus more on these issues and the global elements that feed into pandemics. In this episode and in the next season, we'll talk about that a bit later, right, Pommy? Yes, absolutely. We are going to think about big the big questions that come out of this pandemic and, and what we can hope for and what the thinkers of our day are, are planning or hoping for. Great way to phrase that, the big questions, exactly. So, for instance, Pommy, to, to just quote a few great initiatives that are going to try to fix this. In Glasgow, beautiful city in Scotland, people are about to get a great deal of greener city as a plan to do a real urban forest. So as part of this plan to boost diversity, it is set to plant 10 trees per resident over the next decade, which will make 18 million trees. This initiative comes from a group called the Clyde Climate Forest, or CCF, and they say the project will boost tree cover in the city from 17 to up to 20%. So a fifth of the city's outlying rural landscape will also be reforested as part of this initiative. And one of the main goals is to connect all the woodlands together to provide some corridors for urban wildlife, not only trees, right, to make all these green spaces, spaces for you know, biodiversity. What a great idea, isn't it? And it could totally be applied in many other and even less green cities. So we need it in Bristol. Bristol would be an easy one. Just corridors, that's all we need to connect corridors. all our great parks. <laughs> yeah. Looking forward to this. So baking, bread making, box sets have all been quite high up on the list of lockdown activities that we've clung to. Maybe you have too, Melissa. But so too was something called yarn bombing. Who knew? During COVID, an army of knitters all over the UK have been busy, really very busy, it seems, creating decorative hats for post boxes. I know. Post boxes, bollards and whatever else comes in their way. ITV News has a great, great video showing their amazing creativity. From flamingos to fish, beach scenes to forests and dinosaurs to dragons. You have to email us. If you've seen one, I haven't seen one in Bristol. I'm now looking for them. So you're looking for the big red pillar boxes with a knitted hat. So funny. <laughs> Creativity's everywhere. Another great project here in the UK is a £30 million project announced this week to produce large-scale greenhouse gas removal. So what, what is it? Scientists are about to test the, this most effective way of drawing climate heating carbon out of the air taking make it disappear from from our space right and that includes projects involving planting trees as we've mentioned in, in Glasgow but also rewetting peatlands and spreading rock chips that absorb co2 uh, on farmland 
So it would be one of the world's biggest carbon capture projects. Professor Cameron Hepburn from the University of Oxford is coordinating these trials and he said, greenhouse gas removal is not only essential, it has the potential to become big business. As we build societies and economies following COVID-19, we have an opportunity to orient ourselves towards the green jobs and industries of the future. And this is one of the things that that COVID has really made us concentrate on much more is the environment, isn't it? And one of the things that happened earlier last year was that the great big, huge, vast cruise ship stopped coming to Venice. And in March of this year, Venice announced a ban on these large vessels, uh, not only cruise ships, but also shipping containers following concerns from residents over pollution and underwater erosion of the city's foundations. But the ban will only come into effect once new terminals are built that are away from the main town and allow for new routes around the city centre. So the first cruise ship came back recently and some residents took to boats lined up in the streets to protest as the first post-Covid cruise ship left the city. Other residents, however, of course, welcome the return of the tourist season and the jobs that it will bring. Yes, I've seen some photos of that and I was shocked because I remember that piece of news that Venice would ban these cruise ships. And anyone who's been to one of the most beautiful cities in the world knows that it's a nonsense. It's like you can have boats that would put shadow all over St. Mark's Square. It's insane. It's disproportionate. And there must be other ways to do tourism in a city that might need it back. But absolutely, I think it needs change. Meanwhile, in the Netherlands, going on with how we can reorder and rethink our energy use, the oil company Shell was ordered to slash carbon emissions by a Dutch court. The landmark case could have implications for other big polluters as well. Campaigners have described the verdict as a monumental victory for our planet. This means that by 2030, Shell must reduce emissions by 45% compared to the 2019 levels. Um, That's what the court in The Hague has ruled. The corporation said it expected to appeal against the decision. What a surprise. But it is believed to be the first time that a company has been legally obliged to align its policies with the Paris Climate Accord. Wonderful. It's a victory, isn't it? We'll get there eventually. And now for something completely different. It's time for another track from the fabulous Clark family. We do love them, don't we? They're the Clark family. Colt is the dad and he is a professional musician. Aubrey is the mum. She's the one you don't see. She's behind the camera and she's a photographer. And together they homeschool their three children. And during the pandemic for the past year, they've been keeping busy during their time at home by learning a new song every other day. They are so great. And here they are singing and playing 500 miles. The two boys are Cash, who plays the drums, and Beckett on bass guitar. Bellamy is the youngest. She's their daughter. She sings vocals and she dances fantastically. Find them on YouTube. So lovely. Hey, everybody, round their pen and we're going to sing 500 miles. One, two, three, four. And when I wake up, well, you know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who waits up next to you. And when I go out, 
the wonderful Clark family singing and playing 500 miles that's it for the quarantine this week we'll be back next time with a new cocktail of ideas music and positive news for you all in the meantime we'd really love to hear from you or to have you sent us some great initiatives or great articles you've read about all these topics so do get hold of us if you can by emailing us, for instance, at thequarantinepodcast at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. This episode was hosted by me, Melissa Shaman. And hosted and produced by me, Pommy Harmer. Thank you very much for listening and thank you very much to Seb Gutierrez and the Old Bones Collective the composers and players of the beautiful music opening and closing this podcast, Hot Flu. Thanks for listening and stay safe.